The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, the no-bullshit business show that's dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs like yourself to be successful. I hope that you all had a wonderful Hanukkah or a Christmas or no matter where you were in the world. Some of you had a wonderful white Christmas while others of you had a hot Christmas. However, as long as you're with your loved ones, that's all that's really important. We're only a few days away from a new year and we want it to be successful for everybody. So we'll continue to give you tips that um, will help you to improve your business. Because this program is all about helping you. So I want you to write to me, to email me, tweet me, become my contact on LinkedIn, go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and subscribe to my newsletter. I want you to tell me what you think. I want you to share your ideas, criticisms, and, of course, praise. I like praise. And let me know what it is that you'd like me to talk about. It occurred to me the other day that over the past few months, we've spoken to leading business people, we've spoken to people in various forms of show business, and also to sports people. They each had a common root belief, and I hope you picked it up. They all agree that it is your passion that dictates your success. I believe passion plays a huge role, but without commitment, and perseverance, you still won't make it. So I'm going to discuss these in this first segment. In the final segment today, I'm going to discuss morality. So if you want to be successful, take a long, good look at the mirror because you'll meet the only person that can bring you that success, and that person is you. Now, most people dream about becoming a millionaire, but few become millionaires. Most athletes dream of winning an Olympic gold medal, but very few win one. So simply dreaming about what you want is not enough. There are literally millions of very successful people in a wide range of endeavours, and each of them excel in their own field. They become successful in their own industry. Many of these people started with absolutely nothing. Some began with money. Some were refugees. There's no common denominator except belief and hard work. Luck has absolutely nothing to do with success. You can have three, say, office supply companies. They all open in one suburb. 
All are selling exactly the same products. Yet after two years, two of them have gone out of business. And the third has two very successful stores, all in the same suburb, all with the same catchment area, all selling the same products. One succeeds, two fail. And this is replicated in many businesses. So what makes one person successful and others fail? Of course, you have to do your homework. You have to understand your market of marketing. You have to differentiate yourself. But that is to view your dreams and the way you act and the way you make decisions that lead you towards your ultimate success. Therefore, success is within you. It's not external. How you look at your dreams, your goals, how you define success, how passionate you are about it and how committed you are, they're the keys. And these are all qualities that are shared by all successful people. Extraordinary people may have different backgrounds and different ways of working, but they definitely share similar qualities. There are three very important qualities that you must possess if you want to be successful in your life. And as long as you adopt these qualities, you will have no problem making your dreams a reality and accomplishing your goals. These are your passion, your commitment, and your perseverance. If you look at all the great people who have accomplished outstanding results, you will notice that they are all very passionate with their work and their dreams. This quality you have to have as well. And if you look at all the great people that we've spoken to over the past few months, a few weeks ago we spoke to Tim Draper, one of the world's most successful people. He said the secret to success is the strength of your passion. Passionate people love what they do and they talk, dream, breathe, sing, think, sleep. They with this passion all of the time. Whether in athletics or in swimming, the difference between the top 10 in the world is often one thousandth of a second. The skills are pretty much equal. So who wins that gold medal? The person who wins the gold medal is the person who has the most passion, who has the most desire to win at that time. Passion inspires enthusiasm and passion motivates us and it motivates all people around us. Passion drives success. Now, the same goes for you. If you want to be successful, you must be passionate with your work and your dreams. It's the fundamental requirement of success. Without passion, you won't have the motivation to keep moving on in the journey. This is why most people give up and quit halfway through and then they lose their motivation because they've lost their passion. But just having passion isn't enough. You've got to have commitment. So how desperate are you to achieve your dreams? How committed are you? And are you willing to do whatever it takes, whenever it takes, however it takes? Only you know whether you're totally committed towards what you want and how desperate you are to achieve your goals. Having a burning desire to achieve your goals, it's a prerequisite for success. 
if you don't have that desire, you'll just never succeed. Lack of burning desire is the main reason that most people fail to act and they end up achieving little or nothing. Do not let this happen to you. Just knowing you're talented isn't enough. Just knowing you have the potential isn't enough. You must have the desire to do it. Look back on your life. Have you set goals but failed to achieve them? If you're a student, are you scoring A's? If not, why not? Is your career or your business booming? Again, ask yourself, why not? No matter what your answer is, failure is usually due to a lack of desire and commitment. Always remember, where there is a will, there is a way. It's an old saying, but it's true. In this world, you can achieve anything you want to. You just have to really, really, really want to. Commitment, then you need persistence. It simply comes down to never, ever give up. We spoke last week with um, Lane Beachley, maybe it was the week before, and she was talking about how many times she had no money and she was, you know, really battling, but she was totally committed and kept going and she achieved seven world titles. So once you have the passion and you're truly committed and you have the desire to achieve it, there's nothing more that can stop you. The only thing that can stop you is you. The only thing that can bring you down is you. Of course, you have to, you have to have the basic knowledge. You have to keep up with the times. You have to continue to learn. They're important, but you must never give up. If you give up and quit, you lose everything that you've worked for. However, if you don't give up and you keep pushing forward, you will achieve your goals. Of course, when you keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, you will eventually achieve it as long as the goals are realistic. You just need to make sure you're constantly moving in the right direction and you will eventually reach your destination. A winner will never quit and a quitter will never win. When you quit, you lose. If you keep on going forward, you have a chance to win. It's like hitting a rock with a hammer. If it takes a 100 hits to break the rock and you give up halfway, you've wasted all that effort that you've put in. But if the rock breaks at the 100th hit, it's not the 100th hit that breaks the rock. It is all the previous effort from those previous 99 hits that actually contributes to busting that rock. So... Keep persevering and persevering and persevering. And while you may not notice big changes each time, you will get there. Every single action that you take will contribute towards your success. In 1922, Mary Smith, who was a US government worker, she said, the only place you find success before work is in the dictionary. And you know what? Nothing's changed. I say to people, the most important things are your passion, your commitment, 
and then work, work, and work. And if you do those things, you'll be successful. Most overnight successes have usually been working at their profession for many years. For example, Olympic athletes trained for years and years and years to win that one gold medal. And history is full of examples of great successes that failed at their first attempt. Walt Disney went to over 200 banks before getting the financing for Disneyland. Colonel Sanders knocked on over a 1,000 restaurant doors before he obtained the first customer for his secret herbs and spices. How many of us would knock on a 1,000 doors and with a 1,000 no's and still keep going? Fred Smith's Yale professor gave him a C for his thesis on overnight delivery service, saying that it wasn't feasible. Well, Fred Smith later founded Federal Express. Very feasible, very successful, but he persevered. Charles Carlson, he invented photocopying in 1938. He had to wait 21 years before the first Xerox machine was made. John Creasy received 753 rejection slips before he published his first book. He went on to publish another 563. Thomas Edison left school because teachers told him he wasn't capable of doing the work. And Bob Dylan was booed off stage at his first high school talent quest. <laughs> Probably doesn't surprise me. But if you've done your homework and you know there's a need for your product or service and you keep persisting, you will succeed. Sometimes it just takes a little longer than we'd hoped. It's interesting that 96% of salespeople stop calling after receiving less than six rejections. A Dartnell Corporation study showed that most business accounts are won after the prospect has said no eight times. So most people quit before six, and yet the average to get success is eight. Success is also about failure. No matter what you're trying to achieve, you'll fail many times along the way, but you have to be positive. If it takes five calls to make one sale, you can look at each no as a rejection or you can say, no, that's not a rejection. I'm 20% of the way towards success. I get four more no's and I get a sale. That's a positive way to look at it. So don't be afraid of failure. Being afraid of not giving your all is what you should be afraid of. So passion, persistence and commitment are the three most important ingredients in success, in my opinion. So if you want to know more details about the 15 keys to guaranteeing your success, pick up a copy of my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your bookstore at Amazon. So don't forget to let me know what you'd like to discuss on the program. Go to bobpritchard.com, tweet me, email me, contact me on LinkedIn. You can send me a bloody carrier pigeon. I don't care. Just get in touch with me and let's make sure that 212, 2012 is a fantastic year. Let's get this country moving again. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes 
with my first guest. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, where we interview two guests a week who set a great example for all of us that are in business or are looking to achieve in any field of endeavor. Today we've been talking about passion and performance and how important that is if you want to achieve success. Our next guest epitomizes both passion and perseverance. Kerry Pothast is a triple Olympian with two Olympic medals. She spent 22 years competing in indoor and beach volleyball at the highest level. Since retiring in 2005, Kerry divides the time between her three passions, family, coaching elite-level basketball, and inspiring people from all walks of life to achieve excellence through a keynote presentations and of motivational workshops. Kerry is the author of the book, The Business of Being an Athlete. Hi, Kerry. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I am terrific. <laughs> so it's um do you have a good christmas i have yes wonderful with family and friends it's always great to um sort of just revisit all those people that are special to you yeah, it is. at this time of year you dreamed of being an olympic champion as young as 15 were you already competing at a high level at that stage or Oh, look, not at all. I actually stumbled across my sport. Um, I was just asked to fill in in a social game of, of indoor volleyball. I really liked it, and at that point I was six foot tall. I'd never really played a lot of... I played a bit of sport, but I didn't have big ambitions at that point, and, um, you know, I was quite gangly and, and tall and skinny and sensitive as a teenager, got teased a bit and, and pretty, you know, got it, it sort of got to me. But when I found volleyball, I, I thought, wow, this is something that I can be good at and it's a, something that I'm tall 
um, for as well. So, you know, I started to get patted on the back and people started to say, hey, you're good at this sport. And obviously, obviously my confidence grew. And, uh, yeah, I just, I went from there and, and went into the state and national teams and absolutely found my passion. I guess the great thing about that is everybody else is tall too. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's right. I was looking people in the eye instead of always bending over talking to my friends. Yeah, well, with my bald spot, that's sensitive. Um, <laughs> so why did you decide to write your book, The Business of Being an Athlete? Because it is a business, isn't it? It takes the same well, disciplines. and. Yes, exactly. Well, look, it's been a burning desire ever since I retired to write a book. Um, I didn't want to just do the, the old biography and write about my 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 life, my history in sport, because I thought, well, there's only going to be few people that would be interested in that, perhaps. Um, I thought what I wanted to really get across to people and young athletes and anybody really in any walk of life is how I um, how I achieve my success. And it started off with the business side of it, because you know, in a sport, in women's sport in Australia, especially in um, a low-profile sport of volleyball, beach volleyball. There's not a lot of money around, and, and to be a full-time athlete, that was you know quite expensive. So I had to devise ways of, of earning an income, and I did that through speaking, learning to, to speak, and and doing corporate days. And we, we uh, myself and Natalie Cook, my teammate for the Olympics, yep. we we had to try and get sponsorships. So we had to learn how to, to deal with sponsors, deal with the media, you know, be in meetings, and all, the whole business side of, of you know um, developing a brand around yourself. So. Sure. I thought that's what I really wanted to write across, write about and get across to athletes. And then when I started writing that, I thought, well, I really want to talk about, you know, the passion and, and setting the goals and how you turn your dreams into reality. And, and at the end of that, I thought, well, I really wanted to also cover all the, the mindset, all the things that you need to do mentally to achieve success. And that's, I guess, what appeals to a lot of people outside of sport. Um, the mindset that you need to be successful. So that, you know, in my book, that covers everything from having the right attitude, um, getting getting out of negative self-talk, self-confidence, dealing with challenges, um, you know, everything like that, you know, how to develop a great positive and um, successful mindset to achieve success. And all that stuff is so important for any endeavour, no matter what, what it is. I've spoken to a number of really successful people on this program and um, people like Tim Draper, who was the guy responsible for Hotmail and, and Skype and all that clever stuff, multi-billionaire, said, to, said on the program, the most important thing is passion. If you've got that passion, that'll drive your determination, it'll drive all the other things. Absolutely, and once you get that passion, because you're you're living the life that you you love, you're actually doing what you love doing. You've got you're passionate about it, then you can develop the belief. And and for Natalie and I, between the '96 Olympics where we won a bronze medal and the 2000 Olympics in Sydney at home where we won the gold, the real little last piece of the puzzle for us in those last sort of I guess six months before the Olympics was that last little ounce of belief because we had to play teams in the world that we'd never beaten before Mm. um, and we'd never actually won an event. We'd come second and third so many times but that elusive gold medal in any sort of world event had always um, run away from us. So we had to develop a belief without having done it before Um, and we did all sorts of different things to do that on and off the court and obviously I write all about that in my book, The Business of Being an Athlete and and um, you know, just give examples of how you can create that belief. And I think for me, in the end, the belief was the thing that got us over the line and, and got us on top of the podium. I think 
That's so true. Um, I've done a lot of work, and maybe you have too. There's a great speaker out of London called Frank Dick, who is a motivator coach, and he has people like Beckham and those, you know, Manchester United mm. and small clients like that. And he, <laughs> um, um, he says that at an elite level of business and of sport, the difference between the athletes or the business people is negligible. The person who wins is the person who believes it the most and wants it the most. Exactly, exactly. And there's no doubt Natalie and I believed it the most and wanted it the most because the night before the final, and we realised this only a couple of weeks later when we spoke about what, what each other were thinking that night and we both said to each other without, you know, without a lie, we both honestly said that night we were lying there practising our victory speeches. We had so <laughs> much belief. It was, yeah, it was quite incredible. We were, we're so on the same page and, you know, if you're developing a team whether it's a team at work or a team on the on the field, you know, you've all got to be on the same page. You've all got to have that same belief because if somebody doesn't, that that's the miss, you know, that's the link that doesn't quite make up the chain. So, you've got to get that whole chain believing. Six knee surgeries. Yeah, nice, huh? Oh, terrific. <laughs> yeah, well, that actually is the reason I I switch from indoor to beach because I. I seriously injured myself after 10 years on the indoor volleyball courts without so much as even a sprained ankle, mind you. Yeah. Um, I had a really bad landing on a on a spike and um, I landed and twisted and ruptured my cruciate and medial and ligaments and then damaged cartilage and meniscus really, really badly yeah, and a I year did. later. I did the same thing. It is brutal. Yeah, it is brutal and I, I couldn't quite get back from it. So a year later I, I made the switch to beach and had another 10 years. So... Uh, in a different career so that takes a lot of guts yeah look at it also again we talk back it's about passion I I absolutely love my sport and I didn't want to stop I just found another way so you know whenever you you're up against the wall and you you want to just you know get keep on going you've got to find a way and I found that way and it was beach volleyball and it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me so you know great things can come out of of dark dark days right so What's it like to win a gold medal in front of your home crowd that are all absolutely <laughs> rooting for you and then walking up onto that podium? That must be the most extraordinary feeling. It is, and it's something that I don't know if I'll ever... I don't remember the actual moment so much because it just once that last ball landed out, it was just a bit of a blur because it was just we we're on such a high. And yeah. I, can, I look at the video and it's almost like it's not me, you know. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I, I, the the great thing is that ever since then I've been speaking about that and about my success and how I achieved it, um, and I get to relive it all the time, and I get to see the video because it's always my opening introduction, and you know it, it is special, and I'm just so grateful that it was in Sydney. I mean, what a fantastic place! I had coaches and players that I'd played with over the years, and all my friends, they all drove from wherever they were around Australia and got on flights as soon as we'd made the finals. They were like, we've got to be there. And they're all saying, get us some tickets. And, and luckily the Olympic Committee, they must know this happens because they obviously have some tickets yeah. left over and for this sort of thing and for the athletes to give their, their families and friends. And we all got about, I think Natalie and I got about um, 10 or, or 15 or so extra tickets to be able to give to those people that came specially to witness it but to have my family and all my friends and and people there as well as you know 10,000 other strangers yeah. <laughs> it was pretty amazing pretty amazing okay contrast that with 
when you won the bronze medal? How did you feel? Were you were you oh, feel elated to win a bronze medal, or do you feel defeated oh, that you hadn't won the gold? Well, look, the, the 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 horrible feeling was the day before when we lost the semi against the team that we could have beaten. You know, we'd beaten them quite a few times, and we choked because we went into that that game hoping not to lose. You know, we had a completely yeah. different mindset, and I speak about it, that all the time. The difference, the way we walked onto that court in Atlanta in '96 in that semi-finals, just going, oh, my God, I hope we don't lose with such sort of fear of losing, whereas we walked onto the court in Sydney for the gold medal match with just no ounce of doubt or fear whatsoever. So it was just a completely different atmosphere. But, of course, we lost that semi in Atlanta, so then the next day we had to sort of make it up and play off for the bronze. And the difference was the inspiration that we had around us. I mean, that night, Kieran Perkins, one of Australia's... Most famous swimmers won the 1500 freestyle, and you know from lane eight after down and out. Jeez. Yeah, and that's what we watched that night between our semi and then the playoff for bronze to inspire us. You know, someone who was totally out of it to then come back and and win gold, and that totally inspired us. So, you know, and I, I say to people when they when they need inspiration, look around them, look around. To, you know, whether it's books, whether it's quotes that they hang up on their wall, whether it's other people that have achieved what they want to achieve. There's so much inspiration and positivity around us. Yeah. We just have to, to be able to grab that and, and make use of it. And that got us back on track and we came out and, and we played against the Americans on their home soil in Atlanta for that bronze and we <laughs> still managed to get them. So, uh, yeah, it was a, that was pretty amazing. Well, that's First good. Ever medal. Um, so what are you doing these days? Well, as I said, do a lot of motivational speaking. Um, I've always been thinking eventually it's going to dry up. People are not going to want to hear from me anymore, but it just seems to get busier and busier. And, yeah. I, and I think um, it's becoming the more key and more important. Is, well, exactly. And the key is, as an athlete, rather than just telling your story, you you relate it back to the people that you're talking to. So I've got better and better at that over the years, and and you know I've made a really nice career out of it. Um, as well as doing corporate events on the beach, getting other people to come down and playing beach volleyball with me, so that's fun. And uh, I have a five-year-old son and, you know, all sorts of writing the book and, and running workshops now for athletes. So, yeah, all sorts busy. of things. So, Keeps me busy. Love it. I was speaking to Lane um, Beachley a few weeks ago, and she's got um, seven seven world titles, which is quite remarkable and she was raving about your book so how can our listeners get a copy of it that is fantastic well it's now on amazon so you can buy it through amazon if you're um overseas um outside of australia if you're in australia you can go to my website which is called the business of being an athlete.com um or you just look up my name kerry potas and you'll find it should be in bookstores around Australia as well. Overseas, again, Amazon. You can also get it in Kindle format through Amazon Kindle. Um, and it's just about onto iTunes now as well. We're just uh, just doing all that formatting. But if somebody can't find it and wants to get hold of it, just send me an email, which is or my, my... Or they can yeah, send an email to me at the program. Absolutely. Well, it's damned hard to win a gold medal. It's equally <laughs> as hard to be successful in business. And, yes. Um, Kerry, fantastic example for anyone in business or in any other endeavour. Thanks, great to speak to you, and I'll be back after the break.
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Business Radio Show. This is the segment in the show where we speak to people who are involved in entertaining about what goes on behind the scenes. Not all that glitz and glamour that we spectators see, but what their real life is about. We've had great discussions with actors, producers, theme park attraction developers, speakers bureaus, and lots of others. And today, my guest is Frank Miles, a speaker an entertainer who uses comedy, juggling, music and magic, and who absolutely blew away the judges just recently on America's Got Talent. But there's a lot more to Frank. He began his career by busking at Fisherman's Wharf. Then after a major hang gliding accident, Frank died and was revived in the emergency room. And he works with the love of his life, Jackie, rehabilitating orphaned and injured animals at the Valley Wildlife Care. And, for those of you who know your history, Frank Miles was also suspected at one time of being Jack the Ripper. <laughs> now, he's a very versatile guy, but I suspect that that may have been a namesake. Frank, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, the uh, the Jack the Ripper, uh, I, I, I actually, I have, I have a... Uh, airtight alibi for that, honestly. <laughs> nowhere near that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Um, what is it about your makeup that gets you to rock climb without ropes, to kill yourself while hang gliding, and go out in front of 15 million people or on America's Got Talent? I don't know if that's all one. I don't know if that's all one piece, but I guess it all has to do with. Look, I, I was uh, I was born a very very fearful fearful person right and my life has really been sort of one uh, uh challenge after another trying to overcome some of that fear and and i, I may have pushed it a little too far here or there. <laughs> i reckon yeah <laughs> so what originally attracted you to performing i, I was um lonely i was social phobic they didn't have a name for it when i was a kid but i couldn't talk to people i didn't really have any friends and i, I couldn't answer the phone in my in my parents house if i was out 
uh, walking without a watch on that I had to walk until I saw a clock somewhere because I literally couldn't ask anyone for the time of day. And uh, I I saw some kids at school, and they had a nice little click, and I I wanted to belong, but I had no idea what to do. And one of them started juggling and wanted to do street shows. And I thought, well, you know, if I could do that, I, I, I could pal around with these guys and maybe getting up on stage... I'd get over some of that fear too, and uh, so it was it was it was terrifying. Uh, but when those first laughs came, then it was just a whole new world that opened up. Yeah, that's really interesting because um, I give I, I was an entertainer for nearly twenty years as well, and uh, I give a lot of speeches as do you, and. Once I walk out on stage, I'm great. I can do anything, yeah. but I yeah. am not good socially. Put me in a room with 10 people and I really get nervous or ask me to stand up in front of 10 people and say a few words, I get really nervous, but 10,000 yeah. doesn't bother me. No, isn't that odd? Well, you know, I think there's two things, two things going on. You know, One, when we're up there, we're in our element and we're, we've got a certain amount of control and and, you know, you've got the microphone and you've got the, the attention. But uh, the other thing that was key for me was when I was on stage, I, uh, I learned to focus on what was going out. And, yeah. and, and I'm not thinking about what you're thinking of me when I'm on stage. I'm just having fun and trying to get something across. And I'm really focused entirely on what I'm, on what I'm giving. And that's the part that, that is, is, is completely within my control. So there's really nothing to be afraid of at that point. You recently appeared many many times on america's got talent what's that like was it different than you expected is it is it as we see it on television or is it really it was, quite different well you know it was in the, the biggest surprise was how unbelievably difficult it was i, I go up and, and i perform for an hour at a time i perform for longer uh but what is amazingly difficult is to is to be given the stage for 90 seconds and and yeah. to have to blow the judges and the audience away, and then if you manage that, they demand that you come back somehow top yourself. Yeah. Which if I got into this category that they call danger acts, and you know I do comedy and juggling and some music and magic and other stuff, but I had done this crazy stunt where I juggled three uh, five hundred thousand volt stun guns, and I finished by stepping into a tub of water while I was doing it, which I by the way wrote about. 10 minutes before I went on stage because the original ending, I couldn't, I was going to jump off the front of the stage and, and assault the judges and do something very funny. And it was no <laughs> way to get down off the stage. And I saw a tub full of ropes backstage and I said, get me something like that that's clear, fill it with water. And they, bang, 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 they did it. And we, we, just, we just did it. What but did I ended up doing this dangerous stunt and they said, okay, then you're a danger act. Now, now, now top that. Wait, I just juggled 100, uh, 1.5 million volts of electricity standing in a tub of water. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to top it. <laughs> what do your analysts think of all this? Who's that? What's that? Your yeah. analyst. What does your analyst think of this? Uh, well, he, he encourages me to take it back a notch because he gets paid by the week. <laughs> I, was, know? I was I was going to say that. I'm glad you did. Um, yeah, there's an income stream that he's considered, you know, you've got to, got to keep that in mind. Right. Um, how did you get into motivational speaking? Well, that was, you mentioned the, the, the hand gliding accident. And that, yeah. that really... That really came about. I mean, you you don't you don't toss something you value greatly just off a cliff and then look down to see if it doesn't break when it lands. But that's what I did with myself. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I I had no lessons, no training. We just went out there and did it. And and I, because at the time I was I really was was not happy with 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 my life. I 
and it and it was a matter not a, that things weren't good because they were. Um, it was a matter that I had one time had great ambitions and dreams, and then things got pretty good, and I decided I'd better just let it go at that. <laughs> so I had really given up on everything I'd read. All the great dreams were gone and dead, and a part of me just didn't care anymore and started doing some insane things. Hmm. And then that accident happened, and as I was lying there uh, in, in the emergency room waiting to get into surgery, all the things that I had been afraid of, you know, the, the reasons that I decided not to go for those great dreams. I might fail. I might look like a fool. Uh, you know, uh, sure. what, what about the job that's bringing in steady money? If I give that up, will I be able to... All, none of those things mattered. They were all gone. It was yep. just, boy, I hope I get out of this alive. And I when I started to work again, I began to write some jokes about what had happened to me, and that message just became a part of it. And it wasn't my idea. Some people came up to me and said, uh, you've helped me, and can you come to my business, and we have a party, but I want you to you know, the, 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 tell about what happened to you. And, and suddenly, I was a speaker. I, I, it's a great story. It really is a great story. And so what's the tough... Uh, to me, I'd rather... I don't know anything about hang gliding. I'd rather hang glide than perform comedy. I, that just seems to me to be the toughest gig in the in the world. So oh, what's comedy's the tough... way scarier. I mean, I, I skydive and comedy's scarier because... You know, I mean, <laughs> the worst that happens is skydive is you hit the ground and you'll never know anything more. But when you <laughs> bomb, you have to go home. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. So it's way, you know, and actually that's the toughest thing about comedy is, is, is discovering that you have to bomb, that you have to bomb. Because if you're only doing what works, and especially if you're only doing what you think the audience will laugh at, and mm-hmm. you have a pretty good idea how to do that and you, and you manage it, that you're, you'll never go anywhere. You'll, you'll be a hack, you'll be a failure. The, the people who do wonderfully, the people who become great comedians are the ones who, who have a sense of what they think is funny. And they may not sure. have any idea how to get that across to the audience, and it just lays there and dies. But then they'll try again from a new angle, and they'll try again and try again, and then eventually it works. And those people become great comedians. The people who walk on stage and get laughs right away, and the, but everything's just kind of superficial and easy and fun, the, 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 the tough thing is realizing you have to push it till you fall over. That's who, the hardest thing. Who, who convinced you of that? It seems to me that if you walk out first time and you kill them and you keep killing them, that's got to be the way to go. Yeah. Uh, actually, <laughs> uh, 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 an acquaintance of mine, Bill Hicks, right. um, was a wonderful comedian and a guy who's uh, passed away, died uh, back in the 90s of pancreatic cancer, but he was the comedian of his, uh, of, of his generation. And I happened to be doing sketch comedy and, 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 and stand-up in a club that, where he developed his, his chops. And I would watch Bill go out there and push it and die and and then take the same thing and tweak it and tweak it and then destroy. And and he was in such a class, so different from any other comedian I personally experienced. And, and I could see that that was why, because he was willing to push it. He was willing to bomb if that's what it took. You know, if you, if, 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 it's like a scientist with an experiment. Imagine every experiment you do just confirms what you thought it would be. You're not going to figure out too much. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So what are you working on now? What's what's the what's the next plan for you? Oh, I'm writing a very very funny book about stoic philosophy. So I could have picked an easier subject than stoicism. I I, I really have. I, I, there's there's a central uh, kind of metaphor to my work. I when I was a street performer, I would 
juggling the plastic bowling pins and not making a whole lot of money. There were people out there juggling torches and knives and stuff. And, and But that was kind of scary. I didn't know how to do it. And I asked an old vaudevillian how you juggle blades and fire, and he explained that you don't. You, 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 just, you juggle handles. You, see, either you can't pay any attention to what's on the other end. That's none of your business, really. The handle's where you can do something, and that's where you've got to focus everything. And then later, much later when I started speaking, I saw that that was... This handle idea was a metaphor for what the Stoics were saying, which is, you know, in life there's some things that are up to us and some things that aren't, and it's very important to know the difference, and it's very important to stay focused on what you can control. And so I'm just putting that into a book now that will go along with the, uh, with, the with the show and make money when I'm actually sitting at home. Yeah, and, and it's it, I sell most of my books. I must admit, um, at the back of rooms, you know, you get a get a lot of. A lot of presentations. It's amazing how many books you can you can actually move. Oh, it's astounding. Well, I was doing. Re- I, I was buying a lot of my own books, and that, that had boosted sales tremendously. But it turns <laughs> out you can't generate money that way. Yeah, and what do you do with wardrobes full of books? No, nah, I know it's it's embarrassing. And it's more embarrassing when you try to give them away to the Salvation Army or someone, and they won't take them. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it, but when you go and you give them a book and they give you two back, you know, take these with you. <laughs> so, no what room. advice? What advice have you got for somebody who wants to be a comic? Say what you think is funny, uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and don't worry about. Uh, you you got to find your truth. You know, there's a uh, there's a lot of technique to comedy. Um, spend a lot of time watching comedy, listening to comedy. I used to transcribe comedy bits, albums by hand, and just yeah. look at what it was the guy was doing. But just just swim in it, swim in it. And then go out and and uh, and say what tickles you, and maybe the audience doesn't get it, maybe you don't know quite how to get it across, but you'll figure that part out. Yeah. So, what comedians do you look up to? Oh God! Well, I mentioned Bill. Bill was a, sure. a huge influence, uh, and uh, you know, early on Woody Allen, which was actually a, a favorite of a lot of a lot of guys, Bill Hicks too, because he his joke structure was so so tight. Yeah. But um, George Carlin, uh, Richard Pryor, Lenny Bruce. The guys who, uh, who who dug deep, yeah. even though it hurt, especially really. because it hurt. Yeah. Okay, one last question, Frank. Sure. How would you get away with that Jack the Ripper gig? <laughs> I could tell you, but I would have to gut you after. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. That was great. I really enjoyed speaking with you. A lot you. of fun. Now, if you'd like fun. to get in touch with Frank, go to his website, which is Frank Miles. M-I-L-E-S dot com. So frankmiles.com. It's a great story. You'll really enjoy reading it. I'll be back after this short break. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. 
Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore. Or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Today we're discussing three of the essential ingredients that you need for success. In the first segment, we discussed the need for real passion, total commitment to whatever you wish to achieve, and the dedication to see it through. In this segment, I want to discuss how important morality is. Over the years, I've watched some people take shortcuts, rip people off, and being immoral in their business dealings. Some have made deals they knew were bad, or they sold goods they knew were faulty, all to chase fast buck. In every case, after a while, their luck runs out. Sometimes it was their business, sometimes it was their personal life, sometimes the law, or the IRS got them. It's more important for you to sleep well at night, have the love, trust, and respect of your partner and kids, enjoy lifelong relationships in business, and have a lot of fun along the way. Life is meant to be enjoyed, not spent ducking and weaving. Remember, there are always far more opportunities than time to do them. I want to tell you a couple of stories now, and they're really interrelated, so you have to listen carefully. You can't go off and make a cup of coffee. You've got to listen to this. Many years ago, Al Capone virtually owned Chicago. And Capone wasn't famous for anything heroic. He was notorious for bootlegging booze, prostitution, and murder. Capone had a lawyer named, nicknamed Easy Eddie. He was his lawyer for a good reason. In fact, Eddie's skill at legal, legal manoeuvring kept Big Al out of jail for a very long time. To show his appreciation, Capone paid Easy Eddie very well. Not only was the money big, but also Eddie got all sorts of special dividends. For example, he and his family occupied a gated mansion with live-in help and all the conveniences of the day. The estate was so large that it filled an entire Chicago city block. Eddie lived the high life of the mob and gave little consideration to the atrocities that were committed around him by Capone and his team. Eddie did have one soft spot, however. He had a son that he loved dearly. Eddie saw to it that his young son had clothes, cars and a good education. Price was absolutely no object for Easy Eddie's son. Despite his involvement with organised crime, Eddie even tried to teach his young son right from wrong. Eddie wanted his son to be a better man than he was. With all his wealth and his influence, there were two things he could not give his son. He could not pass on a good name or provide a good example. So one day... Easy Eddie reached a very difficult decision 
He wanted to clean up his tarnished name and offer his son some semblance of integrity. He decided that he'd go to the authorities and tell the truth about Al Capone. To do this, he testified against the mob, and he knew that the cost of doing this would be great. Within the year, Easy Eddie's life ended in a blaze of gunfire on a lonely Chicago street. He was gone, but he'd given his son the greatest gift he had to offer at the greatest price that he could ever pay. In the end, Easy Eddie did the right thing. Now, the next story ties right into this, and if you listen carefully, you'll be reaching for the tissues as I am every time that I tell it. I'm sitting here with a box very close by. Now, World War II produced many heroes. One was Lieutenant Commander Butch O'Hare, a fighter pilot assigned to the aircraft carrier Lexington in the South Pacific. One day, Butch's entire squadron was sent on a mission. After he was airborne, he looked at his fuel gauge and realised his fuel was low. It hadn't been topped up. He wouldn't have enough fuel to complete his mission and get back to his ship. His flight leader told him to immediately return to the carrier. Reluctantly, he dropped out of formation and headed back to the fleet. As he did, he saw a squadron of Japanese aircraft speeding towards the now defenceless American fleet. He could not reach his squadron and bring them back in time to save the fleet, nor could he warn the fleet of the approaching danger. So there was only one thing he could do. He had to somehow find a way to divert the Japanese from the fleet. So he dove into the formation of Japanese planes. Wing-mounted 50 calibers blazed as he charged in, attacking one surprised enemy plane and then another and then another. Butch wove in and out and fired as many planes as possible until he ran out of ammunition. Undaunted, he continued the assault. He dove at the enemy planes, trying to damage as many as he could to keep them away from the fleet. Finally, the Japanese squadron took off in another direction. Deeply relieved, Butch O'Hare and his tattered fighter limped back to the carrier. The film from a gun camera mounted on his plane told the tale. It showed the extent of Butcher's daring attempt to protect his fleet. He had, in fact, destroyed five enemy aircraft. Now, this took place on February the 20th, 1942. And for that action, Butch became the Navy's first ace of World War II and the first naval aviator to win the Congressional Medal of Honour. A year later... At the age of 29, Butch was killed in aerial combat. Now, Chicago would not allow the memory of this World War II hero to fade. And today, O'Hare Airport in Chicago is named in tribute to the courage of this great man. So the next time you visit O'Hare International, give some thought to going to Butch's memorial, which displays his statue, 
and his Medal of Honor. It is located between Terminals 1 and 2. I've seen it a number of times. So what do these two stories, the story of Easy Eddie and the story of Air Ace and World War hero Butch O'Hare have in common? Well, Butch O'Hare was Easy Eddie's son. So isn't that an incredible story? And probably because Easy Eddie did the right thing, his son turned out to be a war hero. I love that story, those two stories, and I think um, there's a lot of lessons for all of us. So I have only got time for one email this week. Lewis McGurgan, I think it's Lewis, it might be Lois. Lois McGurgan of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She wrote, Dear Bob, I love your show. It's very easy to understand. I'm going to get your new book and read it over the next week. I want to apply it to my bookkeeping business. Things are pretty tough for us right now. Well, I'm glad you're taking a break over over the um, Christmas period to reflect on your business and to have a good look and see what you can improve. Um, but despite the fact you didn't give me a, a question to answer, you don't have to. The good news is you don't have to buy a book because I've sent one by Express Post to ensure that you get it quickly that will enable you to um, spend the holidays reflecting on your business and I hope you enjoy reading it. Don't forget that if I answer your email on air, I'll send you a copy of my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, and you should enjoy it. This book's guaranteed to build your business, and if it doesn't make your business successful, drop me an email and I'll refund your money. That's how confident I am. I've used these 15 keys now for years, and they always work. So don't forget to get a copy at your local bookstore or at Amazon.com. I want to hear from you soon as possible, so visit my website at bobpritchard.com, sign up for my newsletter, email me, tweet me, become my friend at LinkedIn. I find LinkedIn to be a fantastic tool. I use it all the time and tell me what it is that you want to talk about. And don't forget to grab a copy of my new book at your favourite bookstore or at Amazon. So have a fantastic new year. I look forward to speaking to you again at the same time next week. And let's talk about how we can make next year the most successful year that you've ever had in business. Thanks. Have a great new year. And I'll see you soon. Thank you. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.